Stephen Dujanovic. Special coverage of the top national story. And we're going to take you live uh, to the Supreme Court of the United States, which is hearing oral arguments. They started a couple of hours ago um, about President Biden's student loan forgiveness program. My understanding is, Taylor, that they're still hearing oral arguments. I just poked my head in the control room. Um, it's audio only for our feed, so we don't know who's speaking when we uh, pit, uh, toss over to it in just a moment. But you had a student loan, and you paid it off. So this yeah. would not have impacted you. No. The crux of this argument is that President Biden doesn't have the legal authority to do this, right? Yeah. So this was an executive order. And as we have seen so many times, uh, presidents often uh, use executive orders to uh, accomplish political campaign goals that often don't align with uh, Congress. What Congress wants, right. And so one has to wonder if there was broad support, even within the Democratic Party, why wasn't it a Democratic Congress that uh, that passed Interesting. student loan because he had the opportunity last session, right? Yeah, last he had a Democratic con- Congress, right. both chambers, and he missed that opportunity, or perhaps he didn't have the full support, or maybe of he wanted all the credit. He wants all the credit. So now, what ends up happening is that when he announces this program to forgive student loan debt up to ten thousand dollars. If you didn't qualify for a Pell Grant, up to $20,000 if you did. Uh, When it was challenged in court, which it was almost immediately by numerous states and by particularly today two plaintiffs, um, and we'll get into what their case is and what they're arguing in just a moment, um, what he ended up doing is giving false hope to some 40 million Americans, not you, because you just paid off your student loan. Right. Yeah. False hope to these folks who then were put in a, a limbo. And all the deadlines and all of the applic- – it was not an easy, straightforward thing to apply for this forgiveness. And even after all of the applications, the time mm. – Debbie, you had to go back. If you were going to apply for a public service forgiveness, you had to go back to your employer uh, that you worked for uh, a decade ago – and get them to sign, physically sign your application form before you could submit it. And all of this had to be done uh, by a quick deadline. And even after all that, there's still no guarantee that you'll get any kind of forgiveness. So what you're saying is folks got on the hamster wheel and ran in circles oh, yeah, to get all this stuff done, paperwork, get all paperwork. Of the paperwork filed on the website, the federal website that was set up for this, and right. then it was like, eh. And then there's no guarantee you'll get anything for it. I want to take us live right now to the Supreme Court of the United States where they're hearing oral arguments in President Biden's student loan forgiveness debt, the lawsuit uh, against his program. An independent body with um, a, a financial distance from the state and sue-and-be-sued authority. So why isn't Mohila responsible for deciding whether to bring this suit? Uh, we don't deny that Mohila has, could file a suit like that, but the state's interest is directly implicated here, so it is allowed to assert the interest it has I in think we're Mohila gonna, directly. But we're going to have a hard time inserting <laughs> ourselves in the middle of what that line of questioning was all about and why, but I can tell you that uh, I'm just looking at this Associated Press story, and I thought they did a really good job boiling this down. Here's here's 
what these cases are about in a nutshell. Uh, there is a, a woman who was ineligible for debt relief because her loans are commercially held. So when President Biden announced wiping away or forgiving up to $20,000 in student loan debt, she found herself ineligible because of where her loan was taken out or how she obtained her loan. And then the other has to do with uh, an, a gentleman who was eligible for just $10,000 in debt relief, not the full $20,000, because he never received that Pell Grant. Um, and they both both of these parties feel as though the Biden administration, President Biden did not go through the proper process um, getting this plan in place. And they have other arguments as well. But to your point, it was by executive order. Yeah. And these um, lawsuits disagree with the process that was used. Yeah, and I think the reality is is that President Biden did not have support within his own party for this uh, forgiveness plan. I think part of it was uh, many in his party felt like it didn't go far enough, right, that it wasn't enough forgiveness. And then, of course, other elements felt like it, it was too much. And so uh, I think anytime you rush a process and uh, you issue an order without having to bring at least – a majority of Congress to the table on something so significant, then you are shortcutting a, a, a very complicated, very difficult conversation, and you're going to end up in, in the courts. Taylor Morgan in today for Dave Noriega, who's just taking uh, a day off. And uh, we're talking right now about the arguments, the oral arguments before the Supreme Court of the United States about uh, President Biden's student loan forgiveness program. It is in limbo. Some 40 million Americans are also in limbo because they were told their student loans would be forgiven when the president made that announcement months and months ago. And then the lawsuits started piling on. Courts put the program on pause. And here we are today. And we will not have an immediate decision today. The yeah. Supreme Court is known for taking its time, although they have said um, I think they're going to ex- expedite this because they know so many Americans are just waiting for a decision. Uh, I want to ask you this. Can you afford right now to go to college without taking out a student loan? So let me give you the price tag of what I'm seeing online for tuition. And I'll just give you a few colleges around Utah. This isn't even out-of-state tuition. This is in-state. Yeah. $9,300 a year for the University of Utah. Plus, on top of that, living expenses. If you live on campus, they estimate about eleven grand a year, 15000 if you live off campus. And let me fly us up to Logan, where Utah State University is. It's about the same price, about $9,200 a year for tuition. And this doesn't include what I call those mystery fees that are tacked on, things like the athletic fee, even though you're not an athlete, you pay $82 <laughs> a year yep. for that or a semester for that. I can't even remember what I was paying for, for my daughter. Um, fine arts fee, $17.50. It doesn't sound like a lot, but then you add that to all of the other fees, like the building fee of $92, and suddenly you're extra 1000 or $1,200 a year. So let's talk from your own perspective. As a dad, Taylor, do you worry that you're going to be able to afford to send your kids or your kids are going to be able to afford to pay for college without taking out a student loan like what you did? Yeah, so I my experience was I worked nearly full-time for most of my college career to, to pay my way through college. And it wasn't just the tuition and fees. Uh, it was my living expenses. I had a car, car insurance. 
uh, all of the things and the trappings of life. Uh, I, by working my way through college, I actually, Debbie, I don't think I had the full college experience, and I regret some of that. What I did do— Because you were so busy working. I was focused on working to pay my way through college. And that and there, that's good. And so you couldn't do the internships, for example. That's or right. You couldn't join. The and so I quit my clubs. job, took out a student loan, and then I did internships. I did internships at the okay. Utah Legislature in Washington D.C. I then was able to pursue the opportunities that made my career. And so when I look at the cost of college, I'm not just seeing the basics of tuition and room and board. I, I'm looking at the cost of the experiences that make the difference in in someone's career. College is just a starting point, right? It is a lot more expensive than tuition and room and board. Okay. I I want to continue this conversation with you in the 10 o'clock hour because I do want to dive into more of what your expectations are for your own kids who are not quite college ready. And I know what we did as parents and I don't know if we did it right or wrong or we landed somewhere in the middle of it, but I can just speak to uh, my experience as a mom who just made the last <laughs> tuition payment. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, um, probably ever. Are you sure about that? What know. guarantees do you have, Debbie? Uh, but that's going to happen in the 10 o'clock hour. We're also going to have a professor, uh, a constitutional law professor, Ironically, from the University of Utah, ah. calling the show to tell us what the odds are that President Biden will, let's say, lose this student loan forgiveness battle <laughs> at the Supreme Court next.